Good morning. It's March 6th. It is a clear and cloudless morning in New York City. This is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. First in the news, that religious revival in Kentucky that we talked about a while ago, where thousands of people came to a small college campus in a spontaneous gathering of religious enthusiasm. Well, the CDC reported over the weekend that one of those people was an unvaccinated person carrying an active case of measles, and any other unvaccinated people who were there need to quarantine themselves for 21 days. The Front of the Times has the story of how the Florida legislature is preparing to pass everything that Governor Ron DeSantis wants passed, which one of the subheadlines describes as GOP lawmakers help raise the governor's national profile. But there are so many actual terrible things on the list that it can't all be buried under horse race discussion and framing. The litany at the very top, right after talking about how Ron DeSantis likes to put points on the board, is allow Floridians to carry concealed weapons without a permit or training, ban diversity and equity programs at public universities, expand school vouchers, allow a death sentence without a unanimous jury, make it easier to sue the news media, further restrict abortion. And those are just partial accounts or understatements. Any one of those things would be worth its own story if there were the room to put it there. The diversity and equity business is one tiny part of the ideological takeover of the university system, for instance. And the story later makes clear that in this case, expanding school vouchers extends to just flat giving homeschool people money from the public education funds, looting and dismantling the entire institution of public education. One notable detail in the story is where it says, Mr. DeSantis already called lawmakers into a special session in February to address problems with laws they had previously passed at his behest, chiefly a 2022 budget provision that allowed him to spend $12 million to transport unauthorized migrants out of Florida. Instead, the DeSantis administration flew 48 Venezuelan migrants from San Antonio to Martha's Vineyard last September, prompting a lawsuit. During the special session, lawmakers repealed that language, allowing the DeSantis administration to transport migrants from anywhere in the United States. That's fine, but in the absence of a time machine, what that's saying is that in addition to seemingly being a pretty straightforward federal kidnapping case, when Ron DeSantis took these migrants from San Antonio, Texas, to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, against their will and under false pretenses, he was also violating Florida law. Not that anyone would ever do anything about that. But as people continue to reflexively try to slot Ron DeSantis into the position of the guy who's not as bad as Donald Trump, it's helpful to have an instance of pure lawlessness like that on the record for context. In other not Donald Trump news, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, a real estate magnate who refused to divest himself of his holdings when he became the governor of the state and then used his position to shovel millions of dollars of extra profit into his own pocket while convincing the national press that he was a viable anti-Trump figure, declared that he was not going to run for president in 2024. In a Times opinion piece, as reported in the New York Times news section, he wrote, The stakes are too high for me to risk being part of another multi-car pileup that could potentially help Mr. Trump recapture the nomination. Public-spirited man, Larry Hogan. And in other news about things coming apart, the Times took a long, wistful look over the weekend at the demise of the Hotel Pennsylvania, which is being slowly demolished where it stands. Dan Barry wrote a heartfelt history of what he writes was, Once the largest hotel on earth, with... 2,200 rooms, shops, restaurants, its own newspaper, and a telephone number immortalized by the band leader Glenn Miller with a 1940 song, Pennsylvania 6, 5000. In principle, it's very sad to see such a historic landmark vanish from where it stands in the heart of the city. It rather obviously echoes the famous universally agreed upon tragedy 
of the demolition of its sibling building, the old Penn Station, decades and decades ago. And we'll probably take on even more of that character since the plan for the site is to build an office tower at a time when the rise of remote work has sent the demand for commercial real estate into freefall. So we'll probably end up with something dumb, charmless, and unwanted, where once there was something grand and ambitious. However, there's a reason all the good photos with the story in the Times are in sepia. The Hotel Pennsylvania was a dump. Innocent country boy that I am, I dialed Pennsylvania 65000 myself with the 212 area code to book a room for our honeymoon. A little jaunt up to New York City, a place I'd never really visited before then. It was famous. It was right next to Penn Station. It was expensive. It was filthy. The tap water was brown. And the grime was ground into the walls and the floor. Stuff was busted. A fire alarm was going off. Just a hideous, hideous place. It seems, again in principle, that a glorious building could be made glorious again. But in practice, it just wasn't, and it wasn't ever going to be. Perhaps this was also the case with the old Penn Station? Possibly. Also, the architects, McKim, Mead, and White, names to conjure with, but the building was just a box. You couldn't see it. It just crowded up against the sidewalk and was a big old lump of nothing. I walked by it day after day on my commute later and never once glanced at it. I'm sure whatever comes next will be worse, though. That's the news. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to Indignity to keep us funded and happy. Take care of yourselves. We will talk again tomorrow.